The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. What hurt are you harboring? And how is that hurt driving you to keep people at arm's length? Yep, you keep people on the outside looking in. They don't, and you might even say things like, you don't really know me because you don't want them to know you. In what way have you been betrayed, rejected, abandoned, mistreated? And as a result, you are not vulnerable with people. You're not, it's not that you're not honest. You're just not fully honest. You're not fully transparent. Why? Because someone took something that you shared in private and they made it public. You felt hurt, betrayed, lied about. And, and that, and that um, spread or, or you know, something that was shared confidentially became something treated cheaply. And maybe that's why you and I stay so connected. We, we've got five email accounts and you know four social media accounts and you got two different cell phone numbers and we're connected to people we don't even wanna be connected to. We got uh, people who have access to us in ways that we don't even really want them to have access, but we're so overly connected because we, it allows us to create a layer and a barrier so we can stay disconnected from others, right? You think about it, you're, you're hanging out with a group of people and someone starts talking to you and, and it starts getting a little, little too personal. Maybe you don't even realize you do it. You can pull out your phone. H- hang on a second. Oh, what was that? And then, and then someone else is talking and, and you start l- looking and they can pick up the fact that you're glancing from the conversation down at your phone. Conversation, phone, right? And so what do they do? They keep the conversation casual. They keep the conversation surface level. Why? Because you're not gonna share deeply. You're not gonna share vulnerably with somebody who isn't giving full attention. Some of you are feeling bad right now. You're feeling convicted. Some of you are elbowing the person sitting next to you, maybe the person you love. I mean, don't just randomly elbow people next to you, but maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a family. Maybe it's one of your kids. And you're like, hey, that's you. Come on. That's not why I'm saying this. What I'm saying is how many times have we gotten on our phone disconnected from a conversation or from a community of people, and it kind of left us feeling safe. We keep a disconnect and we connect with the wrong things, or maybe it's good things, but not the best things, because it keeps the conversation and the relationship casual, comfortable, and safe. But, you know, comfortable doesn't create community. Safe doesn't create a sense of security in meaningful relationship. So here's the thing, right? We, you, you and I, we've been hurt, we've been betrayed, we've been lied about. I was gonna say this, right? Me too, right? You had, a, you had a friendship that you thought was really valuable and precious and they saw it as cheap and casual. Someone you deeply connected with that moved on. They didn't just move away, they moved on people that have mistreated you, that you thought were close, dear friends, even family members that maybe have betrayed you or hurt you and what does it do? It causes you to close off, to shut down, to disconnect. And then, you know, then you come out and get connected to the church where the church is supposed to be different, right? So our, our expectations in the church are totally different, right? Because in the church, you, you, you should be accepted, 
you should be loved and welcomed and treated right, right? Because that's how Jesus would treat us. And yet that's not always the way we get treated, is it? Again, me too. I get it. But here's the thing. The church, right, isn't it full of a whole bunch of hurting people who hurt people? And as a result, we come to church and we expect something that we don't often get. So then we, some, leave church because they feel betrayed and hurt because the church and the community didn't live up to the expectations that they came in with. And if that's where you're at, before you just tune me out or write me off, would you give me and us a chance today? Just for a moment, would you soften your heart? You say, okay, I'm going to listen to what Patrick, what the word of God has to say. Jesus, in his farewell discourse, speaks specifically to this subject. He brings his disciples to an upper room. They enjoy, Jesus washes their feet because none of them would wash each other's feet. So he takes on the role of a servant to wash their feet. When he finishes, he says, yes, I'm your, ma- I'm your rabbi. I'm the master. But, and if I do these things, how much more should you do them? Do as I've done. And then he leads them in the communion meal where he says, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood spilled for you. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, do this in remembrance of me. He's foreshadowing his death. In the middle of that, he acknowledges or he calls out uh, one of the disciples, Judas, he says, go and do what you, what you plotted to do. Acknowledge that he's going to betray him. And so the disciples are starting to think, man, Jesus is going to be betrayed. Jesus is going to die. His body's going to be broken. His blood's going to be spilled. And so Jesus, in his last teachings, before he goes to the cross, he's trying to encourage and challenge them in what matters most. He says things like this to them. Dear friends, I have loved you. Don't let your heart be troubled. I will not leave you as orphans, right? You get the feel, the tone of this. And then we get to John chapter 15, where Jesus is probably walking by a vineyard and he stops and he looks at and and he invites them to look at the vineyard. and, And he says, you know, basically something like this effect. I'm the vine, you're the branches. I'm the true vine. My father is the gardener. You gotta remain in me. And so there's this, he goes on to teach them about, it's not about what you do, it's about being. And so what my first message I said was, focus on being, not doing. And then Jesus talked about how the the gardener um, cleans and cuts, prunes, and, and, and helps the branch flourish and thrive. And so I challenge you to embrace, invite, welcome, the cleaning and the cutting, the the rinsing and the trimming of a good God, a good gardener who wants to bring out the best in you, the, the fruit in your life. And so now let's continue as Jesus is teaching and he's talking to his closest friends. He, he gets even more intimate in his teaching. He says this in verse 13 of the gospel of John chapter 15. Greater love has, um, I'm sorry, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Here it is again. He's trying to remind them of his love, but he does something unique in this moment. He goes, as the father loved me, I have loved you. Let me just pause right there. What is he saying? Okay. We believe in in the triune God. We, We 
you could call it the Trinity. This is where the word Trinity comes from. It's, it's this idea of three unique, distinct persons in one Godhead. There's one God who reveals himself as three unique, distinct persons. Each person with a unique personality, with a unique role and function, but as one God. Now, if right now you're beginning to scratch your head, good. Let, let, me, let me challenge you and encourage you with this. Trying to understand God is the idea of the finite, trying to understand the infinite, of the of those who have already struggled to express themselves, trying to express an explanation for the inexpressible God, right? And so when we say things like the Trinity, what we're trying to do is put words to something that is beyond description, okay? And so Trinity is an inadequate word to describe God himself, this <laughs> this beyond description God who at the very least has revealed himself to us in a way that we can understand, even though we can't fully understand the mystery of the Godhead, the essence of God's being, but we understand him as a triune God, three unique distinct persons, uh, but are one God. Now, why does that matter? Because right off the bat in John chapter 15, verse nine, he says, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. What was God doing before he created everything? He was living and enjoying the harmony and the unity and the pleasure and the joy of just being in relationship with himself. Three persons in relationship as one. It's mind-blowing. Perfect love, perfect unity, perfect harmony. He says, so the way the Father loves me, I Love you. Imagine this. We are loved with the same unity and harmony and passion and intimacy that the Trinity experiences. You and I have been invited into that level of love and passion and intimacy. Imagine that. Jesus saying, they're looking at Jesus, Jesus who's revealed himself as the son of God, as, as God himself. He's saying the way that God loves himself, the, the, the expression of passion and unity that exists in the Trinity, that's the way I love you. You go back to the creation account, we get a little bit of grasp on this idea of the Trinity which existed at the very beginning. He goes, um, in the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. And, and then we see that the spirit hovered over these primordial waters. That's the third person of the Godhead. And it says, and God spoke. God the Father spoke and said, let there be light. And then light comes into being. How? Because God spoke and through his son, everything was created. We go to the gospel of John where he says, everything that came into being happened through Jesus, the living word. He's, he's the one that takes the word of the father and makes it come alive. He's the full expression of the father. If you want to know anything about God, it's through Jesus that we understand the nature, the love, the intimacy of God. We understand the life power of God, right? So we have the spirit hovering. We have God the Father speaking and Jesus making light happen. And then later Jesus becomes the living light, right? Okay, and then a few uh, verses or a chapter later, uh, it's written this way, that God said, let us make man in our image, 
that there's this us, this plurality of the Godhead. We don't believe in three gods. We believe in one God revealed in three persons. I'm taking the time to explain this because this really matters when it comes to our disconnection from each other. God has this deep unity, harmony, and love within the Godhead. Let us make man in our image. He desired to share that love, that intimacy, that community with another. So when Jesus is talking, he's alluding all the way back to the very beginning. God says, let us make man in our image. We're going to make one like us who can enjoy the love that we enjoy. And so then Jesus continues, he says this, now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Me, it's gonna take work to remain. It's gonna take effort to remain in this kind of love, which requires obedience. Uh, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that my joy that your joy may be complete. Notice, he says, the joy I have, you're gonna experience, and when you experience, it's gonna make your joy complete, meaning there is an enjoyment, a pleasure, a, a level of excitement and passion that happens when we're able to experience the unity, the community, and the love and intimacy that the Trinity experiences. Okay, what's going on here? What is the point? What is Jesus saying? He's getting ready to leave. He's getting ready to be crucified. He's getting ready to die. And he says, I want you to know this. Just the way the Father loves me, the way the Trinity experiences unity and harmony and community, that's the way I love you. You gotta remain in it. You gotta work at it. Don't just dismiss this. Be obedient, live in my commands, and you'll experience the same joy that I have, you're gonna experience. What's the point? You were created for community. That's right. Every one of you, you were created for community. You weren't created to be disconnected. You weren't created to be closed off and walled off and keeping people at an arm's length. So how do you live in community? Well, the very first thing you do is respond to what Jesus said, as the Father loved me, so I love you. Just remain in my love, right? So my challenge would be this, remain in God's love. Well, how do you remain in God's love? Remain in love with God. To remain in God's love, remain in love with God. What does that mean? It means I, I want to live in community with God, in relationship with God. I, I gotta tell you a story, or I'll tell you one of the stories. Um, so when I was a kid, I got lost in New York City twice. That's right. I'm basically the living non-fictional version of Home Alone. Yep, my parents, different, okay, we lived just outside of New York City. My, my dad worked in this city. They, they uh, we were on fun trips, we went down to the city, and I got lost in the Statue of Liberty. That's right. It's actually pretty big. And the second time I got lost was during Christmas time at Rockefeller Center. For those of you that don't have a background for New York, uh, that's where the really big tree is. And in Home Alone 2, where he goes, he wants to see the really big tree. There's, during Christmas time, there are, you just got to imagine, like tens of thousands of people all over the streets in that area. My family was taking family pictures. And they, I, I don't know, I was probably like seven years old, maybe eight years old. They put me down on the street. 
And I just started walking with the crowd and there it is. Now you know why I grew up as an orphan. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but here, here's, here's why I share that story. Because every one of us, we were designed to be in family. We were designed to be in community with God. But we wandered off. Meaning, my parents, although sometimes I've wondered if they tried to lose me. They brought me out of the city. They put me down. And then they were like running away. And somehow, I always found my way back. No, here's the thing. You and I. God loves us. God created us to be in community with him and be part of the family of God. And we, we wander off. We strayed off. We broke relationship with God. We're the ones that got caught up in the crowd, like I did, got caught up in the crowd. I strayed. I wandered off and just started going in a direction I should not have been going. This is what is called sin. Sin is breaking relationship with God, which breaks the heart of God. And as a result, sin causes us to stray and wander and do things and go places we shouldn't go. The end result of sin is that it leads to a complete separation from God in eternity. Jesus, in his teaching right here, he says this in verse 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down his to lay down one's life for one's friends. He said, this is the ultimate expression of love. Someone would give their life for a friend. We think of those you know, um, firefighters, police officers, law enforcement, our soldiers who give their lives, not just for a friend, but for a nation, right? That's great love. That's selfless love, sacrificial love. But in this, he's, he continues, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from the Father, I have made known to you. What is he saying? He goes, the way that we are invited to be reconnected in relationship with God is that God lays down his life for us. I could tell you uh, the reason why I still am part of my family is because when my dad quickly recognized that I was gone. And so he, what he told me is that he looked out and he saw the flow of the crowd moving in a direction. So he just ran out on the city street, began to run down the street, looking in, the, looking at the crowd of people on the sidewalk. And he saw me stepping off the curb to cross the street. And he reached in, he grabbed me and he plucked me out, picked me up. Now, he said he wanted to spank me, but instead of spanking me, he gave me a big hug and he brought me back, reunited me with my family. Hope you've already seen the connection. We have a good, loving father who did something even better. He saw that we were caught up in the crowd. We were headed towards certain destruction and ruin. Not just lost, lost forever. So Jesus leaves his home in heaven and runs after us. But it wasn't going to be as easy as just reaching in to pluck us out. No, he had to take on the consequence of sin, an eternal death sentence. So when Jesus died, he was the friend that gave his life. And he says, I gave my life for my friends. He gave his life for us. Why? Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin judgment. He died in our place, but we know Jesus didn't just die. He rose from the dead miraculously, supernaturally, physically. And in his resurrection, he is reaching in to our certain destruction, plucking us out, not punishing us, 
plugging us out, not to spank us, not to judge us, not to condemn us, to embrace us, to call us his own, to call us friend and family. You're invited into the family of God and he calls you friend. How many of you have friends who are also family? Look, can I just give you a moment? If you're not part of the family of God, if you've never believed in Jesus by faith, that he died to forgive you and he, he came back to life to give you life and invite you into the family of God, can I encourage you, take a moment right now and say yes to Jesus, yes to his invitation, yes to allowing him to pluck you out, forgive you and give you new life. And if you're saying yes to Jesus right now, would you let us know? You're joining us at one of our campuses. You let us know. Scan the QR code. You're joining us online. Click the link to fill out the form. When you, when you complete that, our campus pastors will follow up with you to encourage you as you begin this new journey in relationship with God. And when you, when you join in relationship with God, what happens? Go right back to the message. Go right back to the passage. He goes like this, remain in my love. Greater love has no one than this. I call you friends. What's the point? Remain friends with God. You just said yes to Jesus. You didn't begin a religion. You didn't become, a, you didn't just like become a Christian. You've been united in a relationship with God. You've been restored into a deep, intimate communion with a God who loves you and is for you and calls you friend and welcomes you into the family. Remain friends with God. How do you remain friends with God? It's not just enough to call someone friend. It's not enough just to text them once in a while or to IM or DM them. You gotta spend time with them, don't you? You gotta, you gotta not just hang out. That, the, that this time together has to be meaningful and substantive. Yes, you want to have fun together, but you share life together. You, God wants you to share life with him. He wants you to share your life. He wants you to receive life from him. He wants you to talk to him. There's a couple examples throughout the Bible of people who were called friends of God. Abraham was considered a, a friend of God. And um, in fact, it, throughout in scripture, he's, it specifically says he was a friend of God and Abraham trusted God. He obeyed God, just like Jesus said, I call you my friends if you obey what I command you. Abraham trusted God completely. He obeyed him even when it didn't make sense and God responded in friendship. God in his response, he, he would direct Abraham's steps. He spoke directly to Abraham. It says that God revealed his secrets to Abraham. Could you imagine that? I mean, what secrets does God have? Obviously, he knows the secrets of the universe. He knows the secrets of every heart. He knows his own secret plans. And he chose to trust Abraham and share secrets with him. Wow, what a friend. He blessed Abraham. He protected and defended Abraham. He promised and gave Abraham a future. He, he gave Abraham a nickname. His actual name was Abram. And God gave him a nickname, Abraham, a new name. Isn't that what friends do? But not just a new name. He changed his name and his nature. You're talking about a friend with God. Moses was called a friend of God. It, it, it says there that he, he spoke with God face to face the way a friend 
speaks to one another. So it wasn't that Moses actually saw the face of God and spoke to him face to face. That's not what the, in the Hebrew, the way this was, the, the passage was written, you're talking about in Exodus, it, it means like he spoke to someone, he spoke to him heart to heart. They were, they were deeply connected in conversation and intimacy, the way friends do, heart to heart, you know, soul to soul, face to face. That's what it meant there. That's a friend of God. Jesus called his disciples friends. He goes, if you obey me, you're my friends. You have this passage. He calls them friends. When Judas came, just a few moments later, just a few verses later, Judas comes to betray Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in the Gospel of Matthew, it's in Gospel of Matthew chapter 26, verse 50, Jesus responds to Judas and he says, friend, do what you came to do. He calls him friend. Are you spending time in relationship with God? Are you remaining in that friendship? Are you working at the friendship? Are you staying in close intimacy and proximity with God? It doesn't just happen casually. God wants to be your friend. He wants to call you friend. Now let me keep reading because there's two key implications that come directly from this passage. He says this, my command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. What is he getting at? We are not just invited to be friends of God alone. We are invited to be friends of God as a community, meaning God is welcoming a community of friends. One of the things we say within Lifehouse is, why do we exist? So that people can know God Find family and make a difference. This is the fine family. God wants to welcome us as friends, as a family, meaning you are loved to love. Did you catch it? You are loved to love. He says, remain in my love. Love others. What fills? Come on. Come on, Lifehouse. I know you got this. Even those of you that are joining us online, you're at home or you're in your car. Hopefully you're not holding the phone and trying to do this, but what fills? spills, right? You are loved to love. You are connected to connect. You're, connect. you're reconnected with God in order to invite others to connect. What you've been given, share. God's been generous with you. He has lavished his love on you. He has called you friend. Lavish his love on others. Call others friend. He called us friend when we didn't deserve it, when we didn't act like it challenge to you. My challenge would be this. Are you loving those within the church community? Are you loving others within Lifehouse? Do you treat others with love? Not just are you loved. Are you treating others with love? Are you being, a, you want friends? Be a friend. Be friendly. Go out of your way. Be outgoing. Take someone out for coffee. Spend time with someone. The point is this. We've got to connect with God and then invite others into that connection. We're connected to Jesus like a branch is connected to a vine. And then we're interconnected with one another. We invite others to enjoy the intimacy we share with God. In essence, the church is different than any other group. We're not just a community group. We're not just a club. Why? Because our model is not a social club or a social relationship or social media. Our model is the Trinity of God. The intimacy, the unity, the harmony that the persons of the Godhead share with one another. He, 
the way the father loves the son, he loves us. Now share that love. Do you love others with the same passion and fervor and unity and harmony that the way the Trinity shares harmony, unity, and love? Now, obviously we're gonna fall short, but boy, is that our standard? Is that our desire? Can I challenge you? Get into real meaningful relationship with others. Work through conflict, overcome difficulties, get beyond your hurt, your pain, your brokenness, the pains of the past and the regrets. Push past that in order to reconnect and build loving community and relationships. Look, I wanna challenge every one of you. In just a few weeks, we have group launch coming. I'm in for real. You're gonna see this on the screen. Group launch is coming on February 4th. Not any one of you should be disconnected. You're online, get into a group. You're at each of our campuses, get into a group. I want every 100% participation. Every one of you get plugged into a group. Why? Because um, in, a, in a larger church, you gotta grow smaller in community and relationships. So get connected, get in a group, get plugged in. Now, don't stop there, right? What does Jesus do? He says this, he goes like this, um, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Here's the key. You are served to serve. What, what did Jesus do? Was Jesus our servant? No, but Jesus knelt down and washed the disciples' feet, didn't he? He goes, I've served you. Why? Because I love you. Do we serve each other in a family? Absolutely. A functional, healthy family is a place where we mutually serve each other. Children who aren't yet ready to serve, they're served, but they're trained to serve. They begin to serve each other, care for each other, meet each other's needs. Jesus is not our servant, but he served us. Son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And so because we've been served, right? What fills, spills. What fills, spills. You've been served, serve. Not because you're a servant to anyone, but because you've been served. And because I've been served in love, I serve others. The, the, person, the, the, the persons of the Trinity, they serve each other. They serve a purpose and they serve one another. This is what we do within the church community. We serve each other and we serve others, not as servants, but we serve others because we've been served by God. Can I challenge you? Get connected into relationship, join a group, get into community, motivated by love, a need to connect, and then invite others to connect. Bring someone to a group with you. Bring, invite others into a loving relationship within the church. And then, driven by that love, by that connection, by that relationship, get involved in serving each other. That's right. Every one of us should be serving in some way within the church and outside the church. So can I challenge you to begin? So what can you do today? Find a place to serve. You're not called a servant. You're a friend of God, loved by God. You're loved to love. You're connected with God. You've been connected in relationship with God. You connect to others. You've been served by God. You serve others. Can I challenge you? There is a unique place for you. You've been given a unique gift. You are a gift to the church. 
You're a gift to the church. You're valuable, you're precious. And you bring a gift to the church. Would you get connected? There's a place uniquely for you. And the church suffers when you don't serve. We're missing out on your gift. I want every one of you to get plugged into serving. I'm gonna put a slide up on the screen here. There's a QR. For those of you that do not get a card when you came in, you're joining us online, or maybe when you came in, you didn't get handed a card. Uh, I'm sorry for that. For those of you that didn't get that, scan the QR code, fill out the form, and our team will follow you. Those of you that did get a card, I want every one of you to take out a pen right now, fill out that card right now. Go ahead, fill it out. Even if it takes a few moments as we're going in to prayer or to song, fill out that card. Here's the deal. Within LifeHouse, you don't get to sign up for a team. You get to let the teams know that you want to be recruited. This is kind of like when you were a kid playing, when you want to play baseball, you had to get recruited onto a little league team. So you got, but you can let us know which team you want to get recruited to, which team, which leaders you want to invite you in, right? Because we we're connected and we connect others. We're loved and we love others. We want to invite you in. We just want you to tell us that you're ready because we don't want to make anybody feel guilty around here. We don't want to shame anyone into serving. We want you to let us know, hey, I'm, I want to serve. And then we're going to invite you in, all right? So you're going to fill out the card. If you fill it out physically, you're going to drop it in the boxes on the way out. If you fill out the QR code, someone's going to fall up very quickly. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to take just a moment, and I want to pray over us. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you saw that we were being swept away with the crowd headed towards certain ruin, and you came from heaven. You, you ran down the street looking in at the sidewalk, and you reached in. You gave your life to, for, to, to rescue us from sin, to rescue us from death, and you plucked us out from the crowd and the direction of certain destruction. You gave us new life, and then you invited us to be a friend. You gave us a family. You lavished us with love. You connected us with you. And now you've challenged us to love others with the love we've received, to connect with others the way we've been connected, and to serve others the way we've been served. God, we don't want to just fill out forms. We don't just sign up for something. We want to be part of something awesome. God, may every one of us not only feel connected, but truly be connected. And may we give, may we serve with the gift you've given us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.